I'm Jessie Aredia, and you're listening to Soul Care for the New Mom, a podcast designed with new moms in mind, where we talk about what it looks like to thrive in motherhood as the free, confident, joy-filled women God has called us to be. today's episode as I chat with nutritionist Alexa Sherm. Now, the conversation that we had was very much so about nutrition and wellness, um, especially the challenges that us as women face when we are postpartum. Um, We talked about resetting and regulating hormones, some great first steps you can take in regards to that, and also what it means to find freedom from unhealthy food mindsets and, you know, what kinds of things keep us from walking in freedom when it comes to our health. So, I really do believe that you're going to be so encouraged that you are going to walk away with practical steps you could be taking starting this week for your health journey. And I also just want to invite you to check out her website, Simple Roots Wellness. Learn more about what she has to offer because I know that so many of us ladies are on this journey of wanting to reset those hormones, wanting to pursue our health again. So I really do believe that Alexa has so much wisdom to offer and she is a great resource. Um, If you are not already, I want to invite you into my Facebook community. We have a lot of conversations in there. You know, we might even have a conversation about this episode as it comes out because this is something that I think us women, we we want to talk about. We want to find community with. So if you are not already in my Facebook community, you can click the link in my profile to join. Um, And there are also two things I want to ask you to do if you have not already. The first is to leave a review in iTunes or in your Apple podcast app. If you are a listener of the show, if you have been encouraged by this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a review. It really does help more women find the podcast. Um, And it is always just such a huge encouragement to me when I get to read how the show is impacting you. Um, The second thing you can do is to share a screenshot of this episode in your Instagram stories. Um, You can tag me at Soul Care for the New Mom. And and again, like this is, this helps get the word out about the show. This helps more women find the podcast so that they can be encouraged and empowered too. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Alexa. Hey Alexa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. Um, Let me just say a few things. First of all, I love connecting with a fellow Enneagram lover. Um, and I, and I know, and I know that you know a lot about the Enneagram because I've been seeing your posts. I know you have those podcast episodes. Um, and I, I really definitely want to talk more about that when we get a chance. Um, but secondly, I love the way that you are serving, um, women in just encouraging them in their health and their wellness. Um, and and, and, and in a way that I think is very needed in today's culture, Um, And I know we're going to get into all of that, but before we do, would you mind telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your family and what this season of life looks like for you right now? Yeah, well, thank you for those kind words. Um, It has been such a journey to get to this point. Um, So I'm from Iowa, rural Iowa, and I went to college for nutrition and I learned a pretty standard nutrition there. And over the last 10 to 12 years, I've really evolved that and just realized like health is just so much deeper than what we make of it. And also at the same time, I think it's more simple 
and not as complex or confusing as we make it. So I hope we can talk about that today, but I am a mom to three little girls. I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old, so life seems wild (laughs) all the time, Um, and I'm married to my high school sweetheart, actually, so that's kind of fun, too, and we just live in the same area that we grew up in, and we have a lot of family around the area, so it's, it's, it's been a ride the last... 10 years. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And can you also tell us a little bit about the backstory behind what you're doing now with Simple Roots Wellness? Yeah. So like I said, it's been quite the journey to get to this point. I knew when I went into college, I wanted to go to the medical field and I wasn't quite sure what that looked like. Uh, And it wasn't until I got to college that I started to learn about this occupation of being a nutritionist and really helping people to I don't, take back control of their body. I mean, I use that word lightly, but really what I wanted to do was that I was in a world where I was watching like my mom and uh, my aunts who were constantly dieting. And it's remarkable that I was pretty sheltered from that. Like all along, my mom never forced anything upon us. We never really talked about our body. So I was really blessed in that area, but I felt so consumed by the fact that so many people live their lives based on their body image. And I really wanted to just help people overcome that. Now at the time it looked like, oh, can I help people lose weight so they can feel more confident, right? But as I started to do that with people after I graduated college, really just doing the basic foundational nutrition work, I realized that no matter how much weight people lost, that wasn't really satisfying. Like that didn't Mm. make them happy or complete or this euphoric feeling that they were looking for. Like, yeah, I'm sure there were levels of happiness there, but it was kind of like, oh, now what, you know? And, And it just felt like really complex and really difficult and people had to live for it. You know, like when you want to lose weight based on health recommendations today, you have to be all in (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's not easy. In some ways it can really ruin your life. And so I would say over the last eight years, I have really tried to understand, okay, what, what is health outside of what we've made it to be? Because I don't want to believe that God put us on this earth Uh, to live for health. I think we are here for a greater purpose and health was used as a tool to get there. So if health has now become something we live for, how can we take a few steps back and just recognize, okay, my body was created in health for health. Therefore, it probably knows how to be healthy. We just have to learn to work with it. Um, And so I've really started to implement like this whole picture view of health to say that, you know, even weight loss or, or all these diseases that we have going on now, it's more than just what we put in our body. It has to do with what our body's going to do with that, right? Like we can, we can take 10 people and put the exact same amount of food and the same types of food, like the exact same diet, and they will all respond differently. And I started to look into why, because this isn't talked about very often. And the reality is, is that no matter what you put into your body or no matter what you do to your body, it's really what your body does with it. That's what makes a difference. And that's what changes things. And, and if we dig a little bit deeper into that, what your body does with it is all based on mindset stuff. It's based on our belief systems. It's based on our, or, um, based on our purpose. Um, based on our relationships. I mean, like there's the foundational things that change the entire scope of health and it is not what we eat or how much we exercise. Those things matter, but that's not the key to health. 
So anyway, I see it here. (laughs) I feel like I'm still learning. I'm still trying to help people because this isn't like, um, super enticing, especially when you can go to the store and like pick up a magazine and be like, lose 15 pounds in 30 days. Like that's what people <laughs> like they want. But really what we know is that a hundred percent of diets fail oh, in time. And so it's not the diet man- mindset. There has to be something more. And that's really what I want to help walk people through as I'm continuing to journey with this as well. Mm, absolutely. And I love what you said about how it's more than just what you eat. A lot of it has to do with one, what your body does with that food, you know, because all of us have different systems going on. We have different hormones um, there, you know, they're especially after having kids. I feel like each and every one of us, like our bodies change in so many different ways. And that includes the way we process foods and the way that we, we feel after we eat certain foods. Um, and I know that resetting and regulating hormones is something that you work closely with. And I, I'd love for you mm-hmm. to just dive a little bit more into what does that even mean and why might a woman who's listening today, and by the way, you know, most of my listeners are moms and a lot of them are, are newly moms in that they're still in that postpartum season. Yeah. Um, how might you speak to the challenges that they're facing hormonally? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the whole thing about hormones is I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions in health. This is something that bothers me is be, that we, we tell people that there's a problem um, and what the problem is and we give a fix but we never recognize that the problem that we're faced with is really not, it's not something that necessarily needs to be fixed. Like it's a part, Mm. it's a part of who we are and and it's not, it's not always wrong. Um, And so I hate this idea that we're just constantly broken people. And I think that we get that message a lot as women's of like, Oh, as women, like your hormones are out of whack and um, they're raging and postpartum. I mean, there's no better time to see um, hormones that feel like they're fluctuating minutes within every day as postpartum. But even in that, it doesn't mean that you're broken or that you need to be fixed. Like these are common, these are common steps that the body takes to heal itself after it grew a baby inside their body. So women tend to have more struggles, hormonally speaking. Um, And I say that, again, struggles lightly because these are really natural things that happen inside of our body. But I think the the starting point with hormones is we have to understand what hormones are because very few people talk about what they actually are. We just villainize them. Hormones really don't have a ton of control over what actually happens inside your body. Really, what a hormone is inside of our body is it's a communication um, mechanism. So our hormones communicate from organ to organ and from our brain to our organ, I mean, from our GI tract to our stomach, like all these things. So hormones aren't just sexual hormones, right? Like estrogen and testosterone, what we often hear about, there is a ton of hormones and really hormones again are just a communication network of the body. So while hormones are important, I think when we start to talk about resetting our hormone or why our hormones can fluctuate and maybe postpartum, like how you can bring them back a little bit more even is start to understand, okay, if hormones communicate to the body, how can I, how can I give my body space to communicate? If that makes sense. So Mm. when we look at like hormonal issues, a lot of times it's not, it's not the hormone that's a villain. It's not to say that they're necessarily kind of all out of whack. Yes, that that can happen. Like some people can have excessively high estrogen or no estrogen, but for the majority of the time, people are actually firing the exact amount of hormones that they need in that situation based on the environment of the body. 
So what I mean by that is it's not to say that we need to go add a bunch of hormones or uh, talk about that we just don't have enough hormones. Generally, they're there. They're just not getting to do the job that they're supposed to do. So they're in the bloodstream, but they're not hitting the target where they're supposed to go, which makes it feel or seem like you have this massive hormonal imbalance. So I think that there's a bigger picture to hormones. Like I like to say like, hey, hormones are our friends. They're actually really helpful. And for the majority of people, we have the exact perfect amount of hormones in our body. We just need them to work effectively. So how can we go back and make them work effectively? I think there's a lot going on in our bodies. Like when I go back to the mindset, how we think is going to change how our body communicates those hormones. So what I mean by that is that uh, if you're if you're having negative thoughts or um, you know you're, you're having a lot of fear or anxiety, what happens in our body is our cells, like every single cell, starts to shut down. So it starts to basically protect, self protect, and it does that by preventing molecules or hormones or signaling agents from penetrating that cell, and so. We aren't communicating. Again, the hormones are there, they're flowing, but they're the cells are shutting down. And so it's more of a cellular problem than it is a hormonal problem. And like I said, that can come from how we're thinking. It can come from inflammation. Um, it can come from um, change, traumatic change. And I think women need to give themselves a mass amount of grace after they have children because that is probably one of the most significant traumatic events on the human body that is quote unquote natural, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's a trauma. So your body has to go back through and kind of reprocess and get rid of all this inflammation that's been kind of building for the last 10, nine, 10 months inside your body. Then your body kind of has to go through a period or a phase of kind of washing that out. So we see a lot of hormonal imbalance really just being excess inflammation that's really shutting down the cells and preventing the hormones from actually reaching the destination or um, signaling to those specific cells that they're trying to reach just based on this inflammatory response that's happening inside the body. I feel like I made that really complex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can tell you that I am tracking with you um, because I, I mean, I've been in that season um, and, you know, this year has been a big health journey for me as far as um, you know, I'm, I'm mostly gluten-free now, yeah. um, you know, I'm trying to figure out different foods that cause more inflammation in my body. So I feel like this whole conversation about hormones, inflammation, I'm tracking with you, but just yeah. to make sure that our listeners are also tracking what might, what might they need to do on a practical level yeah. in order to really one, figure out, are they, are they experiencing inflammation? And yeah. if so, what do they do about that? Yes. Yes. This is a great question. So I think what we need to know is that regardless of what is going on in the body, whether it's just postpartum mood swings, whether there's PCOS, um, or whether there's, uh, um, what do I want to say? Uh, like a GERD going on or an acid reflux or any, any kind of symptom that you have. I know it's easy to get so focused on the symptom that we Mm. miss the source, but the source really is going to be the inflammation and all inflammation is treated the exact same way in my opinion. So just, I think that there's a multi uh, faceted approach to healing this, but I would start by, like you said, doing things that create rest or space in the body. So one of the best ways to get rid of inflammation in the body is to allow it space to get rid of it. 
Like these are things like we can't just keep doing for our body what it can do. We just have to give it space and room and a place to actually heal in the way that it was designed to heal. And so a, a really easy solution to that is intermittent fasting. And I feel like intermittent fasting is all over the place and there's a lot of ideas behind it, but really all I'm talking about with intermittent fasting is allowing at least 12 hours every single day in the absence of food. Um, and so basically if you want to eat breakfast at 7 AM, you need to be fully finished eating by 7 PM and you need to allow the rest of the day in the absence of any kind of food consumption outside of water or tea or something that doesn't have like any sweetener or calories in it. Um, and that really is the best time and the best place for your body to heal itself is at rest. Um, so again, intermittent fasting sleep is going to be the second most important thing because when we're in deep sleep, our body is going to also heal and rejuvenate and clean out those cells. I think a lot of times we think that our body is really working when we're up and working, um, but it's quite the opposite. Our body is really just trying to like kind of um, survive during the day. Like it really is more in our flight or flight response during the day, which means it's more on high alert. Um, it's just working on pumping energy out, right? Like it's, it switched its functions from healing to providing energy. Um, and we don't really heal or lose weight during the day. We really do that at night when we're sleeping. Um, and so we have to have deep sleep. So intermittent fasting, like I said, it doesn't have to be an eight hour window where you eat all your food. Like a lot of people think, but just giving your body 12 hours every day in the absence of food is huge. And doing that will actually help you sleep deeper as well. So those are two big ones. And then of course, inflammatory causing foods um, are huge triggers for a lot of people. So if you're really struggling hormonally, I say, give your body a break with these high inflammatory causing foods that your body then has to go and try and clean up the pieces of. Um, like you said, you said gluten, dairy, eggs, those tend to be the biggest players in inflammation, which is unfortunate because that's like three massive food groups that the majority of the American diet comes from. Mm -hmm. um, so if I had to pick one, hormonally speaking, it would actually probably be gluten, um, then dairy, then eggs. So kind of starting to, to look at those. And even if you, if, if you can't do it all the way, I mean, it's really vital and complete healing to eliminate those foods for a period of time. Um, to heal your body. And I say for a period of time, like I think there are some foods when we talk about hormones that some people are just going to always be sensitive to. Like for me, gluten, like that's just a bad food for my body in general. Dairy, I gave up for a period of time, like 60 days while I was healing my body. Um, and the reason for that is, is that we if, if we're eating inflammatory causing foods, then your body has to clean up those things before it can do the deeper work of cleaning up the, the root of the inflammation. Um, and a lot of times if we're eating a lot of these foods repeatedly, we're not ever getting to the deep inflammation. Like your body just doesn't have time to get there. It's just keeping up or it's just surviving rather than thriving. And so if you eliminate those for a period of time, then your body can go in and do the deeper cleaning and the deeper healing then sometimes we can start to say like, Hey, my body can handle small amounts of dairy once in a while. Like it's not that big of a deal once we're in health. So we don't see foods bother us when our bodies are fully healthy. It's just when our bodies are fighting something, inflammation, a virus, whatever it is, that's when we see food sensitivities skyrocket. And we're living in a time and a place where food sensitivities have skyrocketed. Um, and most people are really sensitive to those foods. 
So like I said, intermittent fasting, making sure you have adequate sleep. Those two things I would nail first and then start to focus on maybe eliminating or trying a period of elimination of one of those food groups. Mm, that That's some good wisdom right there. And I love what you said about um, when you do figure out the foods that you are more sensitive to. Um, just, you know, going back to what you were saying about how health is so holistic, you know, mm-hmm. and the, our physical health will affect our emotional health. And I know for me, when I, when I eliminated gluten from my diet back at the beginning of the year, and yes, I was very happy that I, you know, I slimmed down, I lost weight. But really, the biggest change that I noticed in myself was that I didn't crave or depend on foods and meaning like sugar, uh, pasta, breads. I didn't depend on it in the way that I had been so used to depending on it. And I felt more free than I'd ever felt when it came to the way yes. I ate and the way I treated my body. And I know that this is something big that you address in, you know, in your podcast and in your blog of this finding freedom from those, from maybe those unhealthy uh, patterns or unhealthy mindsets that we have towards food. And I'd love to know more about um, your journey, but also some encouragement that you can give to other women who maybe are just starting their own journey of finding freedom in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we give food way too much power. Uh, Mm, food is, food is meant to be enjoyed. It's supposed to be a pleasure, but also at the same time, it's, it's meant to nourish. Um, and I think that we just give it power to, to control our day, control our emotions, control our mood. Um, and I think that we're, ultimately what, what we know is happening in the brain is what's considered to be like a tidal wave. Um, and you can probably experience this This is really common with food is that a lot of people look at food, right. And think, oh my gosh, I can't have that. And I'm going to feel guilty if I eat that. But what happens then is, is once you start to have these negative feelings towards food and then you go ahead and eat it because your, your natural instinct then is going to be like, okay, I just need to survive. And in surviving, a lot of times that's, that's high calorie, high dense foods, right? Like a lot of the carbs, gluten, um, that's just a survival food for our body. It's not a nourishing food for our body. So there's a big difference. But what happens is when we start to feel guilty about food, right? Like you look at a piece of cake and you think, oh my gosh, I shouldn't eat that, but I really want to eat that. You you start this tidal wave of emotions. And, and what we know about this tidal wave is that you release stress hormones. So you're going to release cortisol, which is a storage hormone. So it's going to make you basically hold on to body fat and store more body fat, all while decreasing your energy. But on the same time, it's going to release dopamine and oxytocin and these things that make you feel really good. And this is where we start to see the addiction to food come into play. Um, And what's fascinating about this is that the first step that I tell people to overcome the tidal wave is to look at food without emotion. Like if you want to eat it, eat it. If you're feeling bad about eating it, like that is where you get into big trouble because then you have this tidal wave of like, uh, I, I have this stress response over here. I'm feeling all kinds of guilt. But at the same time, like it tasted so good and it like puts you on this euphoric high, even though the food might not really be that good, it's almost tricking your body into thinking it is. So what happens is you go really high and then you crash into guilt and that guilt drops your energy and it it makes you crave. Like that's where our cravings come from. And so then you start this whole repeated cycle all over again of like eating foods that you tell yourself you shouldn't be eating, but you really like. 
So it's playing this game inside of our body when we attach an emotion to food outside of just straight up pleasure for uh, like relational or social properties is that we're starting to attach guilt to things and negativity to food. And that's causing all kinds of negative emotions inside of your body, which is causing a negative reaction to that food. But on the same time, it's making you crave it all over again. So it's just literally that roller coaster. So for me, I feel like for, for gluten, for instance, when I started with gluten and gave it up many years, six years ago, um, I wanted it. So I love pizza. Like I would have pizza any day over any kind of dessert. <laughs> like that is like, I love pizza. And so it was a really, really, really difficult for me because I would see pizza and then I would want pizza and I would be mad that I couldn't have the pizza. And eventually I would give in to the pizza and then I would feel guilty and it would make my mind all crazy. And it was just this vicious cycle. But I think it stemmed from, I constantly kept telling myself, well, I can't have that. Well, I can't have, like, it's bad for me. Like I attached all these negative things to food, um, which really did wreck me. And so over the course of a few years, I eventually learned through this process that what if I stopped telling myself I couldn't have it? And what if I just started focused, like if I want the pizza, I might as well eat the pizza, right? Like at this point, I'm already ruining my entire life around this pizza. I might as well just eat the pizza. But what if I stopped focusing so much on what I couldn't have? And I started to focus on what I could have. So if I want the pizza, I can eat the pizza. That's fine. Like I left it at that. And instead I just started focusing on all these things that I could be eating. And that really did make me feel good. Like I started to focus on the good as opposed to attaching these negative emotions anytime we were out eating or whatever it was. Right. And what was fascinating was, is that I really stopped caring about the pizza. (laughs) Like it just, it was just a thing, you know? Of course, I still love pizza in the gluten-free form now, but I I found that I could find foods that I really did enjoy outside of what I thought I would never enjoy. You know, do I mean, so I was really trying to take the negativity away and really just focus on the good. And that's what I want people to do. I think we spend so much time in the diet industry focusing on what we can't have that it makes us want to eat it. It triggers all the rebellious things inside of our body, all the addiction things start firing. Like, I don't believe anyone in in the face of the world ever walks themselves into an addiction willingly, right? Like no one gets on the other side of an addiction, whether it's sugar or food or uh, gambling and says, I'm so glad I got here, right? Like we don't (laughs) willingly walk ourselves into that. It really is so many biological processes that are happening. And I think it really comes back to, it, it was formed from a belief. And at some point we've been told that food is bad or that there are certain foods that are bad. And I don't think food was ever meant to have that label. So yeah, I think that there are foods that are nourishing and maybe not as nourishing, but I don't think any food should be off the table. I think you have to learn to like now, like I say, like, well, I could eat gluten, right? Like that, that ultimately is my choice, even for celiacs, right? There's consequences to that choice. And therefore, like I, I recognize the consequence And I recognize what actually makes me feel good. And you start to like, you start to set aside the addiction tidal wave that's going on in our brain when we attach negative emotions to food and you start to just experience freedom. And Mm. it's the most bizarre thing because it sounds like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of jargon. But really, if you just stop and focus, okay, she just told me to eliminate dairy and gluten and even eggs maybe, right? Well, this is a process. I first want you to just, instead of like, if you're just starting out, 
take your diet, whatever that is. And instead of focusing on just, okay, I'm going to have to scratch that and scratch that. Don't do that. Instead, just focus on, okay, what are some healthy nourishing things for my body that I can add to this? Like maybe if you love pizza like me, like I started adding like a salad to that and then I switched it to a gluten-free kind and I still had cheese on top because I love cheese, right? And then eventually I was just like, hey, like, you know, I can do something else, right? Like, so it's just starting to add healthy things and getting your body to feel well. And once you start to feel well, then you can start to see this, this progression or the snowball in the right direction. Mm, And I think you, what, at the very end of what you just said of how, you know, we don't, we don't walk willingly into these addictions because sometimes we just don't even realize it. You know, we don't realize that, that this is what's going on. And I love when you do start to change your lifestyle, change your eating habits, um, figure out, you know, what does nourish my body and maybe what doesn't. It's almost like you're exchanging your definition of good for a new definition of good. And that turns out that that new definition is way better than what you thought you what you thought you enjoyed or what you thought you needed. Because yes, as great as it is to enjoy and love tasting the yummy sweets and pizzas and carbs and all the foods, as great as it does feel to eat those things, there's a new kind of great feeling that you can experience when you're able to have your body healthy and, and, and your hormones are able to actually like regulate and things are functioning right and you have more energy. And that's a new type of good feeling that I think so few women realize that they can have. Um, so I just love the way that you're shedding light on this, that you are encouraging women in this way, but you're also giving practical, you know, nutrition tips. You're giving practical ideas. Um, I just love that so much. Um, I definitely want to hear more about your programs. I want our listeners to hear what does Simple Roots Wellness have to offer. So can you dive a little bit into your programs? Yeah. So I have a couple programs. Um, one's called the Five Day Hormonal Reset, and I just did it five days and everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's just five days. Like, what can it do? It really can change the game. Um, And again, it's just a twist on what most people do. And it's just like, hey, how can we add all these healthy things to your diet and create space for your body to heal? So there's a lot of rest um, initiated. I know a lot of diet plans come with exercise plans. Um, I'm a big proponent of like, we have to rest first. Like no one in the history of the world hated themselves healthy. And I think sometimes we think we can just beat our bodies into submission, but it doesn't work that way. And I think in the start or, or in the first phase of really getting healthy, I think that there has to include some big rest periods. Um, and so we talk about that inside the five day hormonal reset of how can we rest and heal and rejuvenate our body in a healthy way of just adding a bunch of healthy things in. Then I have the crave, uh, the craving here, which talks about overcoming cravings. Um, and yeah, the science of cravings and why you get them and how you can easily overcome them or trust them either way. Um, and then the last one is the simple cleanse, which is my most intimate and in-depth course on really just creating again, space for your body to fully heal itself, to get rid of this inflammation and really see that change for a long time. Now I do have something exciting that's coming out in the new year, um, which this probably gets published in the new year. Um, yes. Yeah. yes. So, so it will all, it will already be out. Yeah. Yes. Tell us, tell us. What uh, it yeah. Is. So I, I think one of the disservices that we've done to people in the health industry is that we've never taught them how their body actually works. We have done a great job of confusing and creating problems. Um, 
and selling fixes, right? Like that's what we do is, as we confuse, we, we uh, showcase the problem, we spotlight the problem, and then we sell a fix. I don't believe people need to be fixed as much as they need to be filled. And I think there's a huge mindset shift that happens there where health can just become something you are, like a part of who you are, not just another thing you do. Because if it's something that you do, it will always be confusing. It will always be time consuming. It will always be another stress. And stress is always bad. So in the new year, I really want to teach people, how does your body actually work? And then how can you make a diet plan for yourself? Like, I don't want to tell people, here's your meal plan. I want to show you how to create a meal or a diet plan that is you. Like, I want you to be able to create this so that you never have to do this again, right? Like, it's just who you are. Um, And so in the new year, I'm launching a a monthly class and like a month-long kind of like a membership site where I will be walking people through the process of learning about their body and um, how their body works, but more importantly, how they can learn to work with their body and what's going to work for them, like creating their own plan and their own really space for their own healing. I think that's really important. Um, And so you can join anytime throughout the year because every month's going to be a little bit different, but it's a whole process of here's a class to learn about your body, like in a very simplified, this is all you need to know basis. And then here's like a lab, an exercise to go and do. And then we have some like follow-up time in there where I actually help walk you through the process of, okay, how can we make this you? Um, So I'm pretty excited about it, like adding a personal spin, getting back in the space of being with people. um, I think there's something so healing about a community versus just online programs that you have to go and do in in the privacy of your own home. So I really want to create a community of people and I'm hoping to do that on this new endeavor. (laughs) Yes. Yay. I'm so excited. So where can listeners find find more information about all these programs and where else can they connect with you? Yeah. So uh, you can find all the information about these programs, the membership sites. If you want to work with me personally, I'm opening up some um, consulting sessions again this year Um, that can be found at simplerootswellness.com. And um, my podcast is Simple Roots Radio, where we're going to be breaking down some common lies in the health space. And then um, you can find me on Instagram at Alexa Sherm. Love it. And by the way, I love following you on Instagram. Can we oh, thank you. talk about, can we talk about your Enneagram graphics? Because yeah. <laughs> I am just, I am obsessed with them. Every time you come out with, you know, a, a new number, I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Um, what number are I, you? I, I'm a four. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I am a four. And I know that um, I, I think I've read, it was either I listened to your episode or I read your post about um, health for the Enneagram 4. And you talked a lot about like not approaching food from this place of like, I'm feeling this. So now I mm-hmm. must do X, Y, Z, but instead like taking like almost like mastering your food so that you have more mastery over your mm-hmm. emotions. Um, mm-hmm. And I just so appreciated that because I feel like that that is something that, you know, I as a four need to, need to cling to, I need to hold on to. Um, Mm -hmm. So what, where, when did you first get interested in the Enneagram and what is your number? Um, when did I get interested in Enneagram? I think I learned about it over a year ago. And at first I didn't really, I I've taken a lot of personality tests and I was kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, like, yeah, it makes sense. But 
um, I didn't really start studying it until I actually started studying self-care because I really wanted to dig into what is self-care because it's definitely more than just bath bombs and lavender bubble baths and all these <laughs> things, right? Um, and what I learned about self-care is like the ancient definition is that self-care is knowing yourself enough to know what mm. your body needs. Yeah. Or to know what you need. And, and I thought that was so fascinating because again, self-care has become something that we we've, we've showcased a problem. Um, we've spotlighted that. And then we've given a fix to that as opposed to understanding like, no, no, no. The true definition is to recognize that you don't have a problem. You just need to be filled and you have to understand yourself enough to know what will fill you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I really wanted to dig into the Enneagram because it was like, what perfect way for people to understand who they are more than something so deep like the Enneagram that kind of looks at life in general, not just in a business scope, but like your life as it is um, and complete healing. And what I love about the Enneagram is that it doesn't place you kind of in a box like other people or other, um, what do I want to say, personality types can place people in boxes. And what I mean by that is our Enneagram was, we, uh, we learned that in childhood. So whatever your number was, was created in childhood based on circumstances and how you perceive things and other things. I'm not saying that we weren't born with some kind of personality. I think that we were, but really our Enneagram evolved from our childhood and what we experienced then, which is a really, really critical time in developing your eating patterns and really your health in general. Um, And so I like the process of kind of understanding the childhood implications and how you were, and also that it it gave levels of health, right? Like if you study the Enneagram, it shows you, okay, and if you're really healthy, you almost move outside of your number into other numbers or maybe not even a number at all, right? Like you're just so healthy, you move beyond the Enneagram. And I really love that aspect to show that, hey, health is not just like, okay, I've arrived, Um, but it's (laughs) it's a lifelong journey um, that will always be on. Um, and so, yes. yeah, the Enneagram is really fascinating and not many people were talking about how you could use it for your health. Right. So I created some podcasts based on every number. Hey, here are some things that may work well for you because meal planning for one person is going to be great for someone else. It's going to be awful. <laughs> and no amount of forcing yourself to do it. It's going to work. So we really have to understand, okay, who am I? What fills me up? And how can I do more of that? Um, as opposed to just constantly being so fixated on these problems that we're being told that we have and finding a solution. No, no, no. Like, no, we just need to be filled and we need to understand ourselves enough to be able to do that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for just giving us all of your wisdom, all of your, um, I guess just like the, I mean, you definitely give practical tips, but you go so much deeper than that. And I appreciate that as, as an Enneagram for, I very much appreciate how, how much you get into the root of what is going on beneath the surface and how can we better take care of ourselves, both with our, um, with our food habits, but also with, you know, just our everyday lives and our lifestyle. Um, I just really appreciate the way that you are on this journey with us and you are encouraging us in this way. Um, so thank you again so much. And I am really excited about your new program and I will be sure to link all of those things in the show so that our listeners can check it out. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such an honor to be here.